What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I, I thought about just telling... I thought about just doing the whole show as if you were Brad. I, I, no one wants to pretend to be Brad. <laughs> Even Brad doesn't want to be Brad. <laughs> and seeing how maybe that would get us some some movieism fan fan mail. Uh, what happened to Brad? He sounds normal all of a sudden. Well, you'd realize that Brad's the true star of your podcast. Sadly. <laughs> we miss Brad. <laughs> Bring we don't like this. Bring, it's like new Coke. It's like new Coke. Like picketers like picketers in front of your house with signs. <laughs> Bring it's back like, Brad. It's like when they switch the Coke formula to new Coke and yeah. everybody's like, no, 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 no. We the, the new Coke sucks. Bring back classic Coke. Like bring back. <laughs> we don't want classic Brad. We don't like classic this new Brad. Brad. <laughs> this nouveau Brad thing. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Movieisms. I'm Beckemeyer, and today I have with me the, uh, well, the. W- <laughs> I like I like that you you have no introduction prepared for me. I'm like, like some guy. I, I just have some guy on the show. How am I going to introduce you? This is Rob, who I met from the internet. So he sound it sounds creepier than it is, but. but um, my my friend Rob, because Brad had a Brad or Balding Ewok had a like family emergency uh, late in the week and was unable. He's not even here to record, so uh, I feel bad for Brad, but I'm also getting a vacation from Brad, so I don't know how to feel. It's hard to it's hard to put it into words how I feel, but Elated. this is. It's elation. <laughs> elation. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Rob Goki. He is a, a podcaster um, and currently writing and directing his own thing and uh, and a composer. And, and yes, that's my yeah. day job. <laughs> You're, yeah, yeah. Probably most famous for composing the music for Beckemeyer films. That's true. Yes. You, that's <laughs> actually when I send people demos, it's just your films. <laughs> Right, because I bring have, up have the... you worked with any of the directors? Does it really matter? Because <laughs> is you it because to... <laughs> is it because my directing brings out the best Just... in you? <laughs> Can we see this gush movie? Oh no, no. 
You, I don't know that that's a good example of uh, my. <laughs> it's an angry film. I Isn't like it? Gush. I'm, not, I'm making yeah. fun of only the fact that it's so violent. Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. Well, of course I made it, but of course I'm gonna like yes. it. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so Rob Goki, who who is a uh, creative person and also a podcaster, he's got as many podcasts as I do, um, and I think you're. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to compete with each other. Like if you come up with another one, I'm going to have to come up with another one. So we also have three. So you need to be working on your fiction podcast because I'm four scripts in Uh, three. Yeah. Well, you know, I have an idea for podcast about every uh, two weeks, so I'll just pick one of those. I know. Yes. You need anyway, a meditation podcast. I meditate. In fact, I do. I, I'm starting a meditation channel on YouTube. So yeah, there you go. Look, I just gave you a plug, just like that. We just worked it in. <laughs> That's more than it. Brad's done for you in how many episodes? <laughs> um. So Rob is like at this point we're old friends. Um. Right. And when I and when I ended up. Uh, needing a co-host, he said he would jump in because he'd never been on on this particular show, and we have things to talk about because you're you're you, we're sort of polar opposites in terms of our tastes. Yeah, that's that's true in in a lot in a lot of ways when it comes to creative things. Yeah, um, but for like, some reason it works. Yeah, well, opposites attract, baby. <laughs> but, but I, um, I am like a hardcore movie lover. I like the indie stuff, the weird stuff, the little offbeat stuff, the David David Lynch things, the stuff that makes you think. And then when it comes to movies, you're just a like. I just want to see things uh, blow up. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny because most people get into this industry. Um, because they want to do movies. And I got into this industry because of television. It was a yeah. television composer that made me want to be a composer. So that's always been my first love. And really, that's been my ultimate goal. It's not an Oscar. It's an Emmy or it's being on a series. Not yeah. that I have any problem with movies, um, but it is different in that a lot of people. Maybe it's a little different now in 2019 because of how because of Netflix and how many different TV shows are being made, but it used to be, especially if you were a composer, even like 10 years ago, you would do TV as a stepping stone on the way to film. Yeah. And now there's so much crossover that it doesn't work that, which I love. It doesn't work that way anymore. Film composers are doing television and some composers, you know, you do television and you, you stay there. You're happy with it. Yeah. I, there's definitely been a, like, I, uh, a renaissance. I don't know if that's the correct term. There's like, it's we are in the golden age of content like there is something for everything if you right. are in if you're into this you can go watch a show about that and because of the nature of all of that television has become in my opinion my snobby opinion much more watchable um in the last 10 years uh like People like like you you were saying like Netflix and HBO and Amazon have been stepping up with some real good shows and AMC AMC is I used to only watch shows on AMC or HBO but now there's like Amazon they produce some decent content right and Netflix shows. has some great things and even Hulu has some shows that are that are pretty good I mean The Handmaid's Tale is amazing 
Right. You know, I've seen um, like I think I've seen one episode of it and liked it, but never continued. Never continued watching. It. I haven't watched that's it. That's my that's my favorite show currently on TV right now. Yeah, it's your Breaking Bad. Yes, it is. It yeah. is the first thing since Breaking Bad that I've loved that much. Yeah. My my um, breaking my current Breaking Bad is Mr. Robot. And surprisingly, I like Mr. Robot. Sometimes it's almost too weird. There are times yeah. where it's so out there that that yeah. throw, that I'm not sure how I feel, but I do like the show and I'm a season behind. Yeah, well, that's what the weirdness, the fact that it's weird gets me, but also that it's weird and it's right there in the middle of like one of the shittiest stock channel uh, cable channels out there it's like <laughs> <That's> true <laughs> right there on usa and it's like the weirdest shit on on cable television and it's on usa i remember you know? when i first when i first um heard about that show and i was like what network is it on and someone was like usa and i was like no really they're like no is, is it in reruns why is it I, on usa and they're like no 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 everybody has original it's like you're saying everybody has original content now yeah. um i mean even channels that um got i feel like every channel does that now and it's smart for them they're looking around and they're seeing that you know you make more money off original content you're not paying a licensing fee to somebody else so mm -hmm. it makes sense to do that and if you get a hit like like with a mr robot or uh, you know anything really um but even amc amc used to just be the movie channel or the rerun movie channel and then yeah. it and then it just i don't know if breaking bad was the moment when it exploded but now it's it's this source for original content that's up there with everybody else was breaking bad before mad men or was mad men before oh, breaking bad that's a mm, i they, think it was mad I think breaking men you think mad men was first I'm. I might totally be wrong. But. Breaking Bad's first season was the writer's strike season because it was short compared to it was only seven episodes instead of mm. like twelve or thirteen because of the writer's strike. I don't yeah. know that Mad Men was around yet then. Hmm. But it. I, I keep thinking it ran. It ran longer than Breaking Bad. So they spread uh, it out. They did that thing yeah. that they started doing where they split the seasons in half, yeah. like they do with The Walking Dead, which is yeah. kind of annoying. Um, yeah. And I think they started doing that with Mad Men much earlier than they did with with Breaking Bad. They did it just in the last season, I think. Yeah. Um, I, <clears throat> I, so I like shows like that, like Breaking Bad, Mad Men. Um, I, but I, my problem with TV shows is r really I would like Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was five seasons it got in it got out it told a great story and it quit while it was ahead game of shows like game of thrones which i do watch but it has in my mind my my impatient television watching mind has overstayed its welcome by about two seasons already and now we're about to go into another season where every episode is 90 minutes long and i'm like what are they going to do for 90 minutes talk to each other about the battle that's going to come up in the middle of the season yeah that has never been my favorite show. I watch it too. I like it. I don't love it. It's not a show I would rewatch. I want to see how it ends, but I want it to end. I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm like you. And then I'm like, okay, let's get through this final season. Yeah. I just, what is, but it's only going to be, what is it? Six episodes? Yeah. But six ninety. it's like six feature films. Yeah. <laughs> six 90 yeah. minute episodes. I mean, 
what an embarrassment of riches that, 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 that HBO is like. I think aren't they spending like fifteen million dollars an episode? Yeah, I mean the, the amount of subscribers they're probably bringing in because of it. Um, you know, there are people who will resubscribe to HBO just for Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's crazy not ridiculous but because i get it that they're doing that because actually if you think about it hbo has a lot of like fractured content they do things that that they only have like a handful of like like solid hits um right everything else is like weird weird stuff that's like not not genre but it's more um niche for niche audiences um there's a show on there about weed. I can't think of high maintenance. I have never watched it because I, I was gonna say weeds. I I, I never <laughs> no, I know of high maintenance. I, I I I don't find weed culture entertaining in any way. I th I hate the smell of it. So I'm just kind of like an old man uh, when it comes to that stuff. No, I agree with you. I don't. I don't. I thought Weeds was a good show for like two seasons, and then I felt like I was sticking with it just to see it through. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't really care about weed culture either. I don't have an opinion on it either way. If people want to smoke weed, great, go smoke weed. But I just well, don't give a shit about it, and I don't want to watch a show or see a movie that's based around growing yeah. weed because it doesn't yeah. interest me either. Uh, so look, we have something in common. Right, finally, and it's and it's our the, distaste our, for weed. Distaste for weed. We just sound like old white guys now. <laughs> just sound like old people. We just we just lost all your stoner audience. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, but I they don't had mind that the smell. But I just well, don't really want. Probably... It doesn't do anything for me. That's that's the thing. I've gotten high, and um, I just don't. I don't like the feeling of being that mellow i don't like to be slow down i used to play guitar with a friend who would smoke and said oh it makes it so much creative and i'm like dude my fingers are slow now i can't play as fast <laughs> this is not helpful I'm like i'll just drink i'll drink while you get stoned I, whatever i, I <laughs> no so but okay so television so what is it you think that is about television that you but for me when i watch television i get real real like impatient real quick with tv shows because i don't like getting sucked into a tv show that i know is bad you know what i mean like right. like what i call stagey i can feel that they were in a rush because in tv tv they'll shoot like 11 pages a day you know on on a movie you're lucky if you shoot three four or five pages in a day and you can feel that when you're watching the movie like they will spend 60 days shooting a two-hour movie not not all movies are made that quickly, but they'll spend two or they'll spend thirty to sixty days shooting a movie, but they'll shoot an episode of television in like eleven days, and you can feel it sometimes in like the way it's staged because it's well, getting and that's the shot. movie snobbing you. Well, that is the movie snobbing. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like so when I'm watching a TV show, I can I can feel it. I've always and I've always been able to feel it, even when I was like younger and not really like knowing what was going on. There were just certain certain shows that I just couldn't watch because it bugged me the way they shot it. Um, I I mean, there are, there are tons of TV shows I love the way they're shot. It's one of the things I look at. Um, but it's <clears throat> it's really the writing for me. Yeah, and I don't give it. I don't give a shit about the whole like long cinematic like oh look at how long they took him to do this shot and it's a beautiful shot well yeah it's beautiful but i if it wasn't there i wouldn't give a shit um right so roma 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, Every well, shot in that movie is a long shot. Me. Like I love that. I love the story of that, but I don't like, and, and it's beautifully shot, but yeah. none of that, I, I'm, if it wasn't there, it wouldn't detract from the movie. I wouldn't think, Oh, they rushed through this scene. Oh, look, he parked the car in five seconds instead of like <laughs> in and out. Right. Um, <laughs> And I understand why, like, that sequence was important because later when the wife is pissed off and just, like, rams the car into the side of the garage, it yeah. has more impact. But, um, yeah, that, that whole cinematic thing doesn't um, doesn't uh, do it. It's not the same for me. So I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But, like, Handmaid's Tale is, is shot. It's amazingly shot. And, it's, and the production design and the lighting and the color are great. Um, but so it's, it's the writing, it's the serialized nature of TV. I like that you can tell a story over 12 episodes or 15 episodes of, instead of trying to confine it into 90 minutes or two hours. Yeah. I do like the serialized nature of television, like Breaking Bad or Mad Men. Those shows were the first, not the first shows, but those are the first shows that I realized that that 10 to 12 episode formula had crept over into other people's vernacular you know like it used to just be an hbo thing um and like it it crept over into amc and netflix and then people started thinking oh we can make shows much more addictive if we tell one story over fewer episodes instead of 24 stories over 24 different episodes with maybe one or two to be continued in there um, where everything's yeah, and a like lot, a, and filler episodes, not filler. I mean, like where you're like twelve of these episodes will be part of the story arc for the season, and the other twelve will be one-off episodes that you could just jump in and out of. Which networks right. like, but I don't know that creatives like that. Right. Well, networks I think like it because they can, uh, for the very for the very reason that a lot of us haven't seen certain shows is because of like, oh, I need to start from the beginning, and if like Lost. The way Lost was even because over. Oh, yeah, you could never jump into that show. You could never jump into it because even when they were doing like 20 or 24 episodes a a season, they were telling a continuous story for the most part. And you were you were lost if you'd started lost in the middle of Lost. Um, If you think about it, too, back when Lost was on, if you let's say season three was airing on um, on the network, you would have to go out and buy the DVDs. Or I guess rent them from Netflix. It was not an easy way. There was binging was not easy. You're like, yeah. oh, I want to watch this show, but in order to watch the show, I have to procure seasons one and seasons two somehow, or rent them and watch them. Now it's so easy to go back and binge something if you're behind because, God, even if you're watching like a CW show, the second the season is over, the seasons are up on Netflix. So if you're you're behind up through a current season, you can just go find them and watch them or you could buy something on itunes immediately after it airs uh really so like they show up like judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I thought what happens with with shows most shows is it's like i've noticed i thought i noticed that like the next right before the next season starts as when the new new the old seasons come out on netflix so you're like now you're still kind of like behind a little bit no the cw must have some kind of deal because now what happens is the second like the season of flash is over that whole season is up on netflix so you could catch up and binge Bef- during the summer or before the next season comes out. Well, that's smart. I, I that yeah, is, it is that's smart because if you do miss an episode of something, um, I don't. I mean, I don't know why people miss episodes if they have a DVR. But um, every yeah, now but and people then, don't you know, have DVRs. Like I haven't had cable in almost ten years, so I haven't had a DVR. I'm, and more and more people are unplugging, and more and more millennials aren't ever getting cable. So yeah. the DVR is becoming like the vcr yeah okay so television television's been television is better but i still feel like everybody feels like they need to have a show and uh like they need to have a series and i think that i think what happens is people's standards for what is addictive or binge worthy has have seriously dropped or I don't know. Maybe these are people that were already that were just fine with every iteration of CSI that was on television anyway. So, well, and those were all out before before that happened anyway. So yeah. those people were watching. I mean, being in California, I feel like I'm in this weird bubble where I, I think I forget that most of the country, like nobody I know, watches CSI. And I'll think, yeah. well, who's watching CSI? Like, it's clearly doing well. It's because the whole middle part of the country is, are watching network TV. Yeah. And a lot of like, the middle part of the country have cable still. And, our parents. Um, yeah. Our parents. Um, and so that that kind of traditional TV, you know, I can't remember. I don't watch the news. Like, I'll look at news on Twitter or if I really want to, like, <laughs> or I'll, I'll look through Apple News. But I haven't watched local news. In, yeah. The only time that happens is when I go to my parents and I remember why I don't watch local news. Yeah, dude, I used to, first of all, you know what killed me for watching local news is working for it. I worked right. at a, I worked at a local news channel um, doing like local programming and I just spent time, not, not the people. Cause the, those guys, they're the people, those people are, are, they're doing a job. They love their job. They want to be journalists and all that stuff. So it's not that it's the sensationalizing, the titillating that, that they do just to get people to watch at five and then to watch again at five thirty, and yeah, they, no, exactly. They Horrible don't fire people dead. News yeah. at eleven, <laughs> like, and they oh. <laughs> and they don't even talk about news. It's the twenty four hour news cycle is what it is, right? And you know CNN is guilty of it. They're all get, CNN's bad about it actually. Um, but that's why I don't watch the news either. I will listen to NPR, which I love. I listen to NPR every day, and then I will watch. I'll like log I'll go to uh, Apple News like you said and I'll decide which story I want to read or or watch. Right. Um even if I'm on CNN I'll I'll click on 
stuff that interests me. Like instead of watching the uh, clickbait shit that that the other channels that that they come up with. Anyway, so so you 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 so you. Well, I was gonna say you love the you love the the theater experience of going to the movies. You like going to the movies, sitting in the theater. I would never go to a theater to watch a movie if I didn't have to again for the rest of my life. I'd be happy watching them at home. I don't care yeah. necessarily about seeing it on a big screen anymore. That's that's because you have bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if I lived out there, or God forbid for some faded reason you lived out here, I... We, I would get you to a movie theater. I'd make you go just because I want to hear you complain about going to the theater. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because half the time I'd go, no, I don't want to see that movie. No, I don't want to see that in the theater either. <laughs> we could we could sneak tacos in. We could sit there and like pull one over. I do. I I don't know where my love of going to the theater came from. I I i think when i started like actively going to the movies on my own i was like a sophomore or junior in high school i got my driver's license and that's what we did on friday nights we went to the movies but i was even then before i was a filmmaker i was a musician back then i like well i was a high school student but i was a musician back then like that's what i cared most about but movies just always i just loved them something ritualistic about going to the theater but the ritual of going to the theater didn't start right. until I was until I was in college, like like where I felt where it started to become like a part of like how I got away from things like it's like church. When we started movieisms, that was how I described it to Brad as like it's like church, but for movies. Yeah, I remember you. That's how you pitched it to me when you first had the idea for it. And uh, I there's something about I, I will get there early early enough so i can get the seat that i want nowadays they have pre-arranged seating or uh, right whatever. assigned seating assigned seating and like that annoys me because i don't always get to sit right where i want to sit but um you do you get that i get there early i get my seat i sit and watch the trailers that i've seen 15 million times already and they drive me crazy i saw a movie last night and Every trailer was a trailer that I've already seen 10 times. And I'm like, why do I do this to myself? Why am I making myself watch these shit? And it makes me not want to see the movies. It's like, I don't want to see this movie because I've seen the trailer a million times. And I know exactly what, what the movie is going to be because they give the whole thing Well, that's thing the away. worst part is when they have it, when there's a trailer that gives the entire movie away. And um, I'm like, why? Why did you just give me the whole plot of the movie? Why? Look, it's I a think... happy family, and then like the father dies, and then the family has to move on without the father. Maybe you just could not give that part away until I watched <laughs> your movie. <laughs> they're they're afraid people aren't gonna. They're afraid people are gonna go to it and not know what it is if they haven't already been forced spoon fed thing. But the thing is, right. audiences audiences. Okay, so there's a general audience, like the general audience. Um isn't isn't gonna go see like the favorite you know we, you were talking about right. the favorite a few minutes yeah. ago because it's weird it's a little offbeat but um and well and you have to like period like i love downton abbey it's one of 
it's not in my top 10 it's in my top 20 favorite shows it's a great show it's also very yeah. dark and they love killing characters off um but i also yeah. watch the crown and victoria um and so you have to like period pieces in order to go see the favorite and that's a that's a niche audience not everybody wants to go um watch a movie about england in the 18th century right so that's that's cornered itself right there and uh it's So a, a mass audience isn't going to go see the favorite, but it's when you so when you watch the trailer for the favorite, it doesn't give everything away. In fact, it but it it did. I remember when I saw the movie, I'm like the movie wasn't as funny as the trailer made it seem it was going to be. So it was the studio or distribution company or whoever it is that was cutting their trailer. The marketing uh, wheel of that right. was a little like, let's make it seem like a comedy, you know, and which it was funny, have, which would have. I'm glad I didn't see the trailer because I definitely would not have wanted to watch it if I thought it was going to be comedic because I don't like comedies. <laughs> yeah, because you're. <laughs> Well, it didn't make it seem like it was like the the new Seth Rogen film or anything. But, no, but it's it's but, wacky in that um, Royal Tenenbaums kind of way, but almost. Right, 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 right. right, right. Which is actually but, a movie I don't like necessarily. This one, the favorite's not as out there, but it's funny in a way that I'm not expecting it to be because I think I've watched so many serious um, period dramas that I, I come into it and my brain's already thinking serious and then weird. Yeah wacky things happen and it throws me off yeah 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 like the the mud the stuff with the mud right yeah yeah well so so a mass audience isn't gonna go see that but i i do like it and they they are they they but they're so worried and it's a move like the favorite is such a small movie in the first place and, and I don't mean small, like, I just, I mean, budgetarily, it didn't have a, as, it was not like the new Fast and the Furious movie that's got like $80 million thrown at it or something like that. Yeah, I could with theater to see that. I, well, I've <laughs> Actually, thought about. I've never seen one of those in a theater, but I watch them at home. I saw the first Fast and the Furious movie. 40 fucking years ago when it came out whatever that is yeah <laughs> and and they just started to, to turn them out and last night i wanted to i wanted to talk to you this is a perfect time to talk to you about this because uh there's a new movie coming out that has is not Hobbs and diesel Shaw? Yes, it says <laughs> with it the says, rock and Jason Statham yeah it says fast and furious presents and who's Fast and Furious? Normally, it's like David Lynch, Steven Spielberg presents, or uh, Paramount Pictures presents, but it's Fast <laughs> and Furious. Like a fictitious franchise is presenting the what is it called? Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. It's is that it's, is that it's the name of their characters? Yeah, it is yeah. the name of the characters. And I follow The Rock on Instagram, so I I know that he's been shooting it. Um, I yeah. also know that he literally has his gym moved from country to country when he's shooting <laughs> which you can do if you're the rock but it's a little rock, crazy right. that he's like all this stuff in this room it's gonna go to a new room in like on this continent so like get it all on the plane <laughs> so i i actually really like the rock in fact when we get done here i'm gonna follow the rock i like him i think he's entertaining i think he's funny i think i think that he is a perfect mixture of knowing what he does well and doing right. that i just can't watch a Fast and Furious movie. I've tried. I, well, I haven't really tried. I've only seen the first one. But 
I, I, the trailers just seem so like this is like I know it's going to be a movie I, I don't want to see, and at this point I've already missed like nine of them, so, <laughs> so I'm like right. I can't I can't decide now to go see, the Fast and the Furious. I have to watch the rest of them. And Brad and Brad will say things like, "Well, the third one's really good," and then there's this. And I'm like, "Good compared to what? Good compared to Fast and Furious movies, or good compared to like?" Goodfellas, like what's the scale we are grading on? And I personally don't give a shit about explosions if I don't give a shit about what's going on with the story or the characters or anything like. So they blew some shit right. up. That's actually not that hard to do. You put it in the computer and you push push the explosion button and it explodes. It's unless harder. they're doing it practical, but yes, it's it's harder than that. And does, so does the Fast and Furious mm-hmm. does do practical effects? They uh, do a lot. That's a good question. Like when they were dragging as a safe behind a vehicle and like here's the thing i haven't seen all of them either three was the first one i saw and the reason that i became aware of the franchise it's just the first score i ever heard by brian tyler um Mm. who's my favorite film composer and and he was from that moment i remember specifically that i was in my apartment in long beach california and i was cleaning and i had headphones in and while i was cleaning that score came up in like random play. I think I owned a copy of the score and hadn't listened to it. And I remember stopping what I was doing and thinking like, what is this that I'm listening to? And I went back to find it. And then I went back and found everything from him. But his Fast and Furious scores um, have always been my favorite score. So every time there's another movie coming out, I know that you know I'm anticipating um, a new score from him. Yeah. Uh-huh. and And so... That's why I watched three, that's why I watched four, and that's why I watched five. And I think, and I've seen two, but I actually haven't seen one, and I think I'm behind like one or two um, of the newer <laughs> ones. But I own every single score for them because I'm, a, because I'm a musician first. So it's all, that's, I was gonna say, that's, that's why the in the theater experience isn't as important to me because filmmaking is so much more visual for you like i'm okay watching it on home on my large tv Mm -hmm. um but i'll listen to the score you know in that good headphones like all day long because it's always music first um at least like that's that's where my first love is whereas yours yours is filmmaking and so you want to see and can appreciate the long shot or the shot that took 14 takes to get right yeah. Um, I care less about that. I just want to see the finished product when it comes to that. I want to. Hear, I want to hear the words, the script. I feel like it's for me. It's music first, writing second, um, cinematography third, and then acting is somewhere down there. Yeah, clear, clearly, <laughs> the words are great, but it's acted poorly. I guess that, that has an doesn't. Bu- that. Oh, and directing. I mean, directing is yeah. important. <laughs> Whenever yeah, something you, <laughs> you always, I always try and dissect whenever I'm not liking something, I'm like, so is it the actor, is it the writing, or is it the directing? Because you can't tell necessarily if um, someone's not directed well unless you see them in something else. And you're like, oh, they're brilliant in this, but they were really bad in that. So yeah. maybe it's the director. So what you're saying is the reason you can watch all that bad television is because you put acting forth. On well, your list of thing of priorities, you, what you claim is bad television. <laughs> it's not like, and it's, and I say it's not. I would consider well. Here, here's the thing. I don't know that I consider. I wouldn't call anything bad, but like yeah. I don't watch any sitcoms. 
Um, yeah. I, in the past, I have seen sitcoms. Like I've watched every episode of Cheers, every episode of Friends, of um, Seinfeld. Um, I, Seinfeld. Ugh, I have, but I don't like Seinfeld. But I have seen every episode of Seinfeld once. I don't know <sighs> that I'll ever watch that show again. But um, um, I've seen like every episode of Growing Pains and like the a lot of the late '80s comedies, probably because they were rerunning the hell out of them. Yeah. at the time you know you'd you get night. home and it'd be on for like here's two episodes back to back every night for five days a week and so eventually you work your way through all yeah. of them yeah, uh, yeah. out of order general often but um worked um, for fox yeah yeah or firefly but um, i don't enjoy i don't i don't watch t i don't ever turn tv on just to have a tv on like it, if i'm it's on it's because i want to watch it I don't, mm -hmm. it's never, it's never background noise. If I'm going to have background yeah. noise, it's going to be music. Um, so, so sitcoms to me are often like background noise. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this is what I'd watch if I want to fall asleep to it. Like, no, I'll just read. I don't want to put something on that I don't want to pay attention to. So if Brian Tyler is why you watch Fast and Furious movies, why do you watch Transformers movies? Um, because I was a Transformers kid, <laughs> because I loved the cartoon, and uh, th th I'm not saying that Transformers movies aren't flawed. I always equate they're them beyond to, they're flawed. Like, they're like they're like porn. <laughs> I always equate them to porn. I'm like, look, you have the like flimsy plot that gets you and with the humans that gets you to the like robots fighting, which is the porn part, and then you have to go back and listen to the people whine about something, and then you can go back to more robots fighting. <laughs> so, so I don't. I'm like, okay, humans, I don't really care if you get squished or whatever. Like, you do what you're going to do. I just want to see Optimus and Megatron fight in the middle of the street and destroy the city. Doesn't it bother you how overly majestic they make uh, Optimus Prime sound? In the oh, but he's always been that. I mean, I've watched almost every Transformers cartoon that there is, and that's, that's Optimus. I mean, I guess you just you get used to how... That's a good description of him, but that's that's exactly how he is. He was before Michael Bay got him. Got a hold of. I I watched Transformers when I was a kid. I was like, we were we're what you're you're well, older than me, came. but not. But here's not by the thing: much. I didn't I didn't really enjoy the original. Like, God, what was it when it first came out? The eighty? I guess it was eighties. The was original 80s, Transformers. Eighties, yeah, yeah. When we um, were kids. My when my son was younger. Um, Beast Wars came out, which was like, a, you know, because there's a lot of iterations of Transformers because Hasbro's smart, and the, every time they create a new Transformer series, they can. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Create new toys. 
And so Nick was into Beast Wars and I would watch with him. And that was my reintroduction to Transformers. Uh-huh. And, and then they did Transformers Prime, which had really good animation and was scored by Brian Tyler. Um, and Transformers Prime is probably the best three seasons of Transformers, in my opinion, because the stories are good. They're very dark. There's like torture and, you know, there's robots Ro- getting killed Ro- off. Ro- That's what I torture. loved about Beast Wars is they were they were killing them off. So I was like, oh, this is a very adult um, mm-hmm. cartoon because because we're having characters die and you don't get that. And, you know, you can't watch Animaniacs. They're not going to kill off one of them <laughs> or SpongeBob. SpongeBob's not going to die in an episode. Yeah. Well, but for, for me, Optimus Prime just had a deep voice when I was a kid. I remember him having a deep voice. Mm-hmm. But in, in the... It's that same, that same voice actor still does Optimus Prime. Okay. I wondered about that. Yeah. But when Peter I watch Collins. the Michael Bay, even Bumblebee, which I saw, I, I haven't gone to see... I've seen like two Transformers movies. And then I saw... Uh, I saw the one where they fought the Dinobots. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I saw Bumblebee when it came out around Christmas time, which was right. actually I, I have not seen it yet. I have a not, copy of it. I haven't watched it. It was not great, but um, it was not as bad as a Michael Bay directed Transformers movie. <laughs> so, in in my opinion, and I'm I must admittedly a snob about the about the Transformers movies. I not even just Transformers movies, but the Fast and the Furious. Those never right. ending franchises, but. Optimus Prime just like Bumblebee, do this and go do that. It's like who, why, who talks like that? Nobody talks like that. I realize we're, I realize, I realize, we're watching a movie about transforming robots from another dimension or another planet. But what was, in fact, what's the name of their their planet? Cybertron. Right. That's why. Well, that's not. That, we're talking about robots from a planet True. called Cybertron. So I, I realize that there's some suspension of disbelief, but emotionally, I want to connect with Optimus Prime because Optimus Prime is like the hero, like leader. You know, he's right. like the he's like the uh, James Earl Jones here. But it's so like like uh, self aware of how. Um, big and powerful it is as opposed to just being you know like Lawrence Fishburne in the Matrix where he has a couple moments where he's like free your mind you know but but right. he's really just like leading people through the thing he's not like I don't picture Lawrence Fishburne doing a Superman pose while he's talking Optimus Prime I figure <laughs> I picture him doing the Superman pose while he's going Bumblebee you know I mean, it is the it's the little kid design part of what Transformers was originally supposed to be, which was to get kids to buy. Hasbro was like, create these characters that we can make toys for that we can get kids to buy them. Um, and so they did make him way over the top. But then because he had so much appeal, I feel like they couldn't change him. They're like, well, we still have to keep Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime. We can't suddenly have him um, sound like... Um, yeah, like Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Or, or, yeah, exactly. So, so we haven't talked about your other stuff because I feel like we should, I feel like we should talk about that too, just for a few minutes before we go. Did you start, here's where you're going to, here's where you be honest with me for the first time ever. <laughs> you did think. You, go ahead. Did you, did you start Taco City, the podcast, 
so you could get free tacos. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> it just happens to work out that way sometimes. Because I think I would have started Taco City, the podcast, <laughs> to get free tacos. Um, you know what, though? In the, in the beginning, it didn't work that way. I mean, I don't know that. And, and if I went through all 70 places or whatever that I've done, um, I feel like the majority of them I sold to pay for the tacos. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I started it because, well, I had the, I had a, the book Taco City, which was right. just based around L.A. And someone um, approached me at, at, that works for a company that does advertising for podcasts, who is a friend of mine in the industry and had switched to that job said you should make it a podcast and then i laughed at him because i didn't listen to podcasts i was like dude i don't right. know how to make a podcast i don't even you, listen to podcasts you were so <laughs> anti podcasting at one point in time not I, anti, well, at that but... point you were you were like hey i do this to this podcast i'm like yeah whatever dude like i listen to music <laughs> I don't know. and then my wife started listening to um allison Venor, uh, who's a producer started listening to a lot of podcasts true crime podcast. And then we took a road trip across the United States um, for, because she had a gig, she was shooting something in Pennsylvania and we live in LA. So we drove and we took our time and camped, but we listened to just podcasts, the entire road trip there, nine days and the entire trip home, which was about nine days. And when I came back, um, you know, 18 days of podcast listening, I knew the kind of podcast I wanted to make. I thought, okay, now I have a handle on this. I want to be able to tell stories. I want to be a storyteller with podcasts. I feel like I can pull from my um, film and TV experience and do it that way. And so then I thought this would be a cool way to tell people stories who have restaurants, who are chefs, who um, have some kind of struggle, especially because it's it's tacos and Mexican food, people who um, you know came across the border and had a cart, and then the cart turned into... You know, it was a stand that turned into a car that turned into a truck that became a brick and mortar. And mortar. So the success stories are always different and really cool because everybody's got a different story to tell. And that's more important than the tacos themselves. Yeah. Um, you like in the uh, you like in the promised land of tacos out there. Yes, uh, that's true. It is very. I mean, if I lived in the middle of in the Midwest, I'd I the show the seasons. Taco City would be like ten episodes and then out. <laughs> like, yeah. and I'm I'm done, guys. But I interview a lot of places by phone. There, yeah. I had to expand and cover because not if it's just LA, um, not everyone wants to listen to just stories about places in LA. So, yeah, um, you know, I've taught, I've done Alaska. We did Black Rooster in um, Florida. We need to do. Tacos Norteño, which is your favorite place, yeah. um, one of these days. But um, and so it's not. There are places that I've interviewed that I haven't actually eaten the food ever because I just mm -hmm. haven't had a chance to go by there yet. Yeah. Well, I was I was just saying I was just thinking. Um, you know, doing doing a story on every like if you were just L.A. Um, right. Not everybody's interesting enough to put on a pod, the, a the, thirty or forty five minute podcast. I've run into that problem far less than I expected. I can think of, like I said, 70 episodes maybe because I, I don't keep track of them by count. Um, I probably two or three 
where I where I personally thought this was not an interesting story to tell. We, we, but, we do a, but but I have an episode coming out Tuesday and I've already interviewed him, so I, fuck it, I guess I got to make it work. <laughs> um, but like two or three out of seventy, and so I I've been surprised because I, I expect some people like to talk, some people don't like to talk, and so it is harder when you ask somebody a question and you get like a three sentence answer um, because then. Yeah, you're struggling to get them to open up a little bit. And some people just aren't big talkers. Yeah, it's we because we do the other show we do is is film reverie. We don't talk about it too much on on movieisms. We don't talk. You have have another podcast. Yeah, and we don't talk (laughs) and we don't talk about movieisms very much on film reverie, but they come up every now and then. Um, So film the thing we do, we do a lot of interviews on film reverie, too, where we talk to other filmmakers or creative people and uh it you're right it does happen a lot less because it happens a lot less than you think it would but every now and then you get somebody on for an interview and i just assume i guess that people are going to talk as much as i do which is a lot i talk a lot like uh i can't we we you and i have a thing where we can't get on the phone because it's like well i don't have two hours to talk to you today and there's exactly there's no way we're gonna have a 15 minute phone call so um, but yeah, you, it's like pulling teeth out of, uh, it's like pulling teeth to get people to answer. And it's like, you're on a show where we're trying to, where we're trying to present you as a, as a person with worth paying attention to, and you don't have answers to the questions, you know? And it's, and I, we don't really do a, we, it's not like we're intimidating because we right. really just want to have conversations with people. Um, so uh, do you do you go in with uh, a list of questions or do you just try to talk with them? And because your have, episodes are very the, conversational, but I don't know what you're editing out, really. No, it's a good question. First of all, I'm not editing out hardly anything, um, really. The only thing that gets edited is if like I'm recording because because your stuff is often someone's at home and, uh, and you're at home and you're recording and the environment is very closed. Often I'm standing on the side of the road next to the person's taco truck or in the restaurant. So if there's a weird noise and we have to redo a line, I'll edit that. Or if they say something and they're like, oh, I don't want to, oh, I don't want that. That's not public. Then I'll cut it out. But that, even that's very rare. So the episodes are 98% the way that I recorded them. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, I have a list of questions. I, you know, obviously in the beginning I needed the questions in front of me so that because I wasn't used to interviewing people. What I do now is I always, and I feel like I need to change it up maybe the next season um, when we come back around after summer. My first question is is food memory. I ask people about their earliest food memory, and that Mm. will often spark the entire rest of the conversation. And I never have to look at the the list anymore. I also have done it enough times that I know it in my head. So when we're getting towards the end of an answer or towards the end of the interview, I know what questions haven't been answered. Um, and a lot of it is basic, you know, what's the best thing about running a restaurant? What's the worst thing about doing this? Where did your name come from? Um, when they don't live in LA, I ask them about ingredients because outside of LA, it's hard to find things like cilantro and tomatillos mm. in bulk. Um, but, but I try and make it as organic as possible. And the best ones are the ones where they'll just talk and we're having a conversation and after about 30 minutes, I realized they just answered every single question I was going to ask yeah, yeah, yeah. without it's, me asking it. 
it's best it's best when it can come out organically because you don't it does intimidate people when you show up with a list of 20 questions and you ask one question then the next question the next question and somebody's not used to being interviewed right or like they're not used to having a microphone put in their face and okay be interesting it's like uh what um but if you that's one of the things that i feel like uh we've gotten better at over time is realizing that people just need to be put at ease a little bit when you're talking to them. And, um, and so you we make them laugh and that's honestly where some of the picking on Brad stuff came from. It was like us trying to put people at ease and making jokes and see, Hey, we're not, we're not so serious. You know, you can be yourself here and relax and blah, blah, blah. I, yeah, um, I always tell people it's not live because I think often people who because podcasting, even though it's not a new thing and it's been around for a long time, um, it's still new to a lot of people. It's like when you, we tried to explain Twitter to people right. nine, <laughs> ten years ago um, and, and no one understood it. I have to tell people like this is what a podcast is and here's how you listen. Um, and so I immediately say it's not live. And if you mess up, we just start over and you can, I can edit it out and I can, you can see the stress like in their shoulders kind of relax if, if I'm with them in person most of the time, because then they realize like, okay, I can just kind of be myself. I don't have to worry about saying something dumb because, and I'm like, this is about you. This is not. I'm, you know, this isn't some hard hitting expose on inside edition or right. um, TMZ. Like I want to be able to tell your story. So right. obviously I'm not going to do anything that's going to make you look bad. I'm not trying to incite controversy. Yeah. You're not going to walk in and critique their tacos. Uh, you're, you're right. trying to tell their story, which is probably, probably helps a lot too. And right. So that it's like a, you know, this is like a good thing, not a stressful thing. Um, the 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 thing that's that happens more often that's more frustrating than people who have a boring story is when you ask somebody if they want to be on the show at, at least for my show and they'll say well how many followers do you have on your account and we'll have to talk to our PR department <laughs> part yeah. of me is like fuck you I want to give you free advertising I just want to talk to you about food for thirty minutes it's yeah. not like if and. Often that happens with bigger places. If I try and go after some place, it's sometimes it's places that just have two or three locations. And they're like, "Oh, you'll have to talk to our our PR management company that runs um, and see if this is you know good for us." And I, I kind of at that point, I'm like, "I don't even want to do you anymore. Like, forget it. I'll go talk to the guy on the street with um, a card table set up and a grill. He's going to be more interesting than yeah. like getting corporate speak." Yeah. Because Which is why I'll never have Taco Bell on my show. Well, that's <laughs> because I'd never be able to get them there. I'd have to go through their PR department. It's just um, plus, the you know, Taco... I'd love to talk to Roy Choi from from Kogi because he's the father of food trucks. Yeah. But getting getting to him um, is so much harder than getting to like the the guy around the corner that just opened right. up, right. like going to Taco Loco. Right. And that guy is never going to get any attention like what you're giving him you know what i mean he's right. not gonna well not ever but you know like at that point we just said like you said a card table and a grill that that guy doesn't have like uh whatever the big publication is out there like knock banging on his door to to, to talk to him and no exactly there's a there's a place um you know la has has is broken up into like the west side and the east side of of town and um the West side is a little bit more like where Santa Monica and um, Culver city and like that part of, of LA is it's a little bit more corporate. And 
and less um, like east east side of LA and east LA. There's a lot more mom and pop places or little places that are just you know opened up in a shop by a family. And I interviewed, and I'm not sure when this episode will air, so it may actually go up because it's it's um, coming up soon. I interviewed a place called Gracias Senor, and when I went out there to see the guy, and he was in Pacific Palisades, which is like between Malibu and um, Santa Monica, he said that no, none of the publications come out there. And it, he's not that far. He's not in a remote part of the city. He's not in a... He, it's in a very rich part of the city. So it's not like he's in a dangerous area, but he said... I was so excited that we wanted to interview him because he said nobody comes out here, which surprised me because I, I felt like the bigger publications would, would be much more likely to go there than they would go to South Central, um, or Watts, and um, and so he was really grateful that we wanted to tell his story, which is great. That's good. Plus, I mean, it does give you an excuse to go try all these places that you may or may not have ever. Yeah, that's yeah. that's I mean, I like telling people stories, but one of the best parts is that it forces me to try new because we're all creatures of habit. And so, yeah, we all go to the place that's the closest to the house. That's why you go to keep going back to Taco Norteño. And we've talked about yeah. this. I keep telling you to try new places. And you're like, what if I go there? And it sucks. <laughs> like yeah. I wasted a, I wasted a trip to that place. But yeah, um, at least here, very few places where I'll go in um, and like not want to go back. In fact, I can't think of a place that was like bad. I can think of places that were mediocre, yeah. um, and that not necessarily places that were on the show. But when I was doing the book, there were a few places where I went in and went, "Oh, this place is okay, but I don't feel like it's book worthy, so I'm just not going to add it in." Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it makes me it forces me to go to parts of the city where I wouldn't normally go and go. Wow, I didn't know this place was here. Now I'll come back here next time I'm down in this area. The place I'm moving or want to move, I'm trying to move, is like half the distance between where I am now and the taco place. <laughs> so it will take you half the time it takes you now to get there. It'll take me half the time. <laughs> I could jog there, eat tacos, and oh take an uber back or something i don't know <laughs> yeah or jog back, you jog walk back. back. Yeah. yeah 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 i'm like it's maybe maybe two miles and uh so that's good anyway that's a four yeah. mile run there you go yeah yeah there you go um i don't normally run uh run after i've stuffed myself with uh, yeah that's true tacos so. <laughs> But um, but uh, so you have another podcast. I want to talk about that a little bit before we go. So okay, de describe Mitchum. Um, so Gary Mitchum Reeves was um on. He was actually on the podcast Undisclosed, which was one of my favorite podcasts, and it's the podcast that kind of spawned Taco City in terms of storytelling style. Um, he was wrongfully convicted of murdering his wife and spent seven years in um prison for it uh, before he was partially exonerated. Um, it, it's very clear from the evidence that he wasn't the one that did it and wasn't even there when it happened, uh, but got blamed for it. But the, the interesting thing about him, aside from that, is that he used to run moonshine in Georgia in the 60s. And so he has all these great stories. It's like a Dukes of Hazard episode every week with him. Uh, where he's talking about like <laughs> a, taking moonshine in the trunk and... <laughs> That's like a that's good a way to describe it, but still, <laughs> that's a good way to describe it because <laughs> it's Mitchum and the General Lee. 
<laughs> I feel like there's that narrator. I forget who did it. It was um, um, like Waylon Jennings or somebody that used to do yeah. the narration. When the car would freeze as it jumped over, uh, yeah, the boys yeah, yeah. didn't know if they were going to make it over the cliff. <laughs> the same shot but every they time. They never yeah. knew. It was the same That's shot. What, that was the fun time. of it. And then it comes down. Yeah, and then the car would come down and drive away, even though it just slammed into the ground after jumping over a <laughs> pit. Um yeah, so he has these great stories about running moonshine um, in the 60s and running from the cops and the, the famous brothels that are there in Rome, Georgia. And he talks about his time in prison and the whole, you know, a, a lot of the way he got railroaded during his um, the arrest and the murder itself. And so the podcast is called Mitchum. Okay. So, okay. So it's called Mitchum. So what, so why did you start another podcast with him? Well, I, it's funny. Be undisclosed was tweeting. Um, people were tweeting undisclosed and telling Mitchum that they, during his season, that they wanted to hear more of his stories. And I said, if you guys make a podcast with Mitchum, I'll score it. I'll score it for free. If you don't have money, like, I don't care. I want to hear him too. And then a few months later, he reached out to me and said, Hey, undisclosed said that they're, they're too busy and they don't have time to make my podcast, but they said they wanted to ask me if you wanted to do it and <laughs> like what? So we got on the phone and we, we kind of talked through like what the, what the concept of the podcast would be and how we'd frame the episodes. Um, and they basically just kind of handed him over um, and said, here you go. If you guys work together. And it, so it's um, it kind of got, thrown into my lap but it's so different than taco city that you know it, it's fun to to story produce mitchum while he's telling the stories um he's gotten really good at it in the beginning he would he would tell me this great story but he'd tell it in like five minutes and like mitchum we need the episodes got to be longer than this um so we'd have to stretch him out but now he just he's great i barely have to to prod him along um and he knows um you know he knows how to tell a story um, in a way that is great for a podcast audience and scoring it is fun and doing the sound design, uh, for it when I can add in gunshots and cars racing and, um, fist fights. Um, it's always, it's, it's a very different kind of podcast. I love the Southern drawl, like I was particularly Georgia, Georgian Southern drawl. Mm -hmm. So listening to him talk is, is like, it's, uh, I don't know. It hits my sweet spot, you know, personally, because I like the accent and I like the, but his stories are like, I can't get past the fact that he had all this stuff happen, but he's still just like, it's almost like, well, I got sent to this place and the guy there liked me. So he let me, let me go get cheeseburgers. Like let me leave prison and go get some cheeseburgers. It's like, what the hell, what prison were you living in? Because I, I, know. I don't Allison know. And I will talk about that all the time where she's like, I don't, it must've been a seventies thing, but I don't understand how they, at that time he was technically a convicted murderer, but they let him go to Wendy's to get a cheeseburger and a shake. <laughs> like i have i have friends that like you know got got you know like i don't know like a suspended license so they got sent to jail, county jail for 30 days or something like that you know what i mean i've, I've talked to people right. in that situation and they weren't getting to go cheeseburgers in fact they don't even use your name they're like inmate 232 stand in line you know it's yeah like this guy is like it maybe it's a southern thing maybe it's just because it's like a small town well thing. also it, I, I think it has to do with the time period back then too i mean it's, yeah it's i'm sure it's not the same at floyd county jail now as it was mm -hmm. then 
I wonder how much it has to do with the fact that he was white <laughs> at the time yeah, yeah. Well, in Georgia. Then. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, like it, it is. It it's his entire life. It, you know, he started running moonshine when he was like twelve or thirteen, so he didn't really have a childhood. So I feel like a lot of his <laughs> stories have this tragedy of like he never really got to be a kid. He had this yeah. small window of being, you know, of, of playing with your friends or, um, you know, throwing rocks across ponds, playing, you know, stickball or whatever. And then suddenly he's running, he's driving with a fake driver's license and running moonshine for his brother. Yeah. But the episodes, they're funny, they're fun, they're entertaining. But at the same time, they are, his stories are very touching. Like when he's talking about his dad or right. his mom or his mom. Um, you f- you feel it. He emotes really well in his stories he's telling. And particularly, I meant to message you about this, like, because I, I just heard the one with with his about his dad. At, at the end, there it seemed like he wasn't even able to really talk. Yeah, he got and, choked and up. You, you could and you could hear it and you could feel it. That's that was that was some good shit. You know, you like feel it. And the, the it's not like the episodes are like. Uh, deep and heavy depressing stuff he's just telling he's just basically telling entertaining stories about of his life and it's amazing that after i don't know how many episodes you are in it just seems like maybe he's never going to run out and yes i think we're 25 in this with this week's yeah and he, and you're just now just now recently got to his dad you know like that's how many episodes you know you have and you're just now talking about his dad but he's also one of those people that i think he could turn something mundane into an entertaining story like though his perception of what was happening to him well this would make a great story and i'm like what do you mean the guy just like was went out to get the mail and he tripped and picked up some you know it's like something like that and he could turn it into an entertaining story it's like the the southern yarn i guess you'd call it you know he um it's funny when he we did the the episode about his dad and he got choked up and then we finished recording he said is that okay and i was like dude this is gold (laughs) you're gonna have people crying (laughs) Um, well it's like that with the sister of his that's his sister that was a three-part episode and there's a tragedy that happens with his sister that I i won't tell people who haven't listened at the very beginning and i didn't even know it was coming so he's like you know, my sister was born, and then she got married, and then this horrible thing happened, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, way to bring it down, like right away." <laughs> no, but the stories are good, and and he, I've interacted with him a little bit just from being on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, and he's like, he's like the nicest guy. Yeah, he's um, super nice. We've stayed with him twice now. Um, we were we spent. Uh, two or three nights over new year's eve and and through new year's with him and his wife linda um and they're just great and the food's amazing and yeah i there the time just passed so fast that when we left his house he was like oh we didn't do this and we forgot to do this and i thought oh yeah i just kept thinking we were gonna have more time and the time went so quickly yeah it's that southern it's very southern hospitality the thing right Uh, like my grandma it's, I think what I like so much about it is that it reminds me of like my grandmother who just passed away in November but she was very she's from Georgia she's from like Fitzgerald Georgia which is like uh, just a couple of stoplights you know really mm-hmm. and uh not really it's like a tiny it's Mayberry it's a tiny tiny town and uh you know but she was very southern very hospitable very 
you know, sit down, have some tea. I'll make you, you want something to eat. It was very much like that. Her house was always so comforting to be in. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm remembering when I'm listening to Mitchum tell stories. That's what it makes me think of. It's nostalgic for me because of my grandmother. But that's the mood and the vibe that you guys create. And by the way, also he just gets into car chases every now and then. He's got his moonshine. <laughs> he's got his moon. He's got his moonshine tucked in in the woods somewhere. And it's just funny. It's just it would. You know what I mean? It's um, yeah, yeah. Um, I shake I shake my head as much listening to that show as any other show. What the hell? <laughs> I'm not anymore now because I've talked to him so much and we've been doing this for like, well, we've been, I, I've probably been going back and forth with him for a year now that I'm not surprised by anything he tells me. In the beginning there, I did a lot of head shaking and now I'm like, of course, of course that happened. <laughs> of course that happened to you. And of course it all worked out fine for you somehow. I, we, I, we have an episode coming up called Killers where he talks about, um, and, and it, might have, it probably will have aired before this, Maybe not. Um, and he talks about killer couples, like couples that killed each other. Oh, this husband killed this wife. This girlfriend <laughs> killed this husband. Like, and, and it's it's he tells it so matter of fact, but it was just a violent time in the '60s and the early '70s in Rome, and everybody oh. had a gun. It was like the Wild West. It's like he makes Rome, Georgia sound like the Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, yeah exactly. And <laughs> you I know did, what I mean? I spent time in Rome, Georgia. It's not like that now, at least <laughs> the Rome that I've uh, seen. All right, well, um, do, do you, uh, before we go, do you, want to, uh, do you want an exclusive scoop on a podcast that I'm producing? Because I don't think I've talked about it publicly anywhere yet. Yeah, yeah. You're going to give us a... Yeah, I know. I think I, I think I know well, what you're you about do, to say. But, but, yeah. Um, yeah, so I a long time ago, I produced a a web series for a friend who was an actor. It was more of a found footage shot thing that we shot on iPhone um, about a guy who goes back in time to prove that dinosaurs don't exist. Um, And so I realized, or actually my wife brought to my attention that um, in, in this world of fiction podcasts um, and homecoming in particular, because of how amazing homecoming sound design was that if I turned that show into a podcast, I could do so much more with it than I could budgetarily um, as a movie or a show. Uh, so um, I'm turning it into a fiction podcast. So it's still in the script stage at this point, but it is called Donovan King dinosaur hunter. <laughs> All, all I remember is in your video version of the show way back, you used the Bat Cave, and that was cool enough for me. It was. It was very cool to go shoot in the Bat Cave. Yeah, um, but like from the like 1960s Batman. Yes, like exactly. That, that, that Bat Cave. <laughs> with no permit. We just showed up one morning early, and we had to deal with like joggers and a dog that wouldn't leave us alone. Um, but... Um, you know, it was it was like two actors and me, and so it was very easy to shoot that. But it did also didn't have, you know, cinematically and production wise, it it didn't look or have the feel that I'd wanted it to look. I feel like with an audio podcast, I can do that. I mean, um, the time machine, for instance, in the show was you know like a crudely built thing with like foil and cardboard and wood. But in the podcast, I can make this thing look like it's a legitimate sound, like it's a legitimate time machine, like it's yeah, you know constructed yeah. well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited because you know it's been a while. I haven't written fiction or written script since I wrote that show the first time. So it's the first time I've jumped back into it um, and into those characters. 
and it just keeps it the universe of donovan king dinosaur hunter keeps expanding and expanding as i'm writing um which again in a podcast form is great it just means more actors it doesn't mean you know like now i can have stuff take place on a college campus and then we can switch gears to this place whereas if we were shooting it i'd have to get find a college campus let you shoot on it find out what the permit's going to cost um you know you'd have to it's just i don't want to be a producer in that way in terms of film and tv because um I don't have I don't have the tools for that job, <laughs> and and it's money. You got to find somebody to fi- finance you. Whereas with a podcast, I can do all of the posts myself. Yeah, I just need to find amazing actors, um, and I'm in LA where some of the most amazing actors in the world are. So, well, that's going to be out in the spring. <sighs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> someone just asked me that. I'll probably someone asked when I was re- going to be recording. Um, I'll probably be recording in the summer um, or the late spring, which, and I'd like to get the entire first season done. There's a three season arc. Um, I've, I've, I have a story for that's told over three seasons and in my head, it's, you know, six episodes per season. So I'd like to get the first season done before it's released. So maybe I'd like it to come out in 2019. Everybody always will say, you know, like coming soon and blah, blah, blah. And then you end up having to push it. My goal is to try and get it out before the end of the year but we'll see yeah well that would be cool that's a lot of work if you just record in the summer just to get everything recorded and then posted but yeah, post is going to be crazy yeah. because i'm like, i'm already looking into like like three-dimensional style sound where if a dinosaur is chasing them um because obviously it's ridiculous that you go back in time and think the dinosaurs don't exist we have to have dinosaurs but they're being chased by something i want that sound to come from like the back from the back of your head up through the center and through the front, almost like you're being chased. Yeah. So yeah, maybe 2020. <laughs> yeah, maybe 2019. <laughs> if Rob wasn't already uh, bald, you might have pulled your hair out by the end of 2019. But, uh... Uh, yes. Yes, because I technically have a fourth podcast that I haven't told anyone about that uh, that someone else is editing, and I'm just helping. I'm just recording and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's four of them, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you have to come on Film Reverie and talk about these the production aspect, like the techno the techno jargon of all the stuff you just described. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because that that would be a good Film Reverie. Um, Schedule well, something with uh, you and Dobby when he gets back in town. <laughs> <laughs> My hell self. <laughs> Oh man, I I tried to get rid of him too. I've given him clothes. I gave him an old sock. He's supposed to leave, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, he did, but he keeps coming back. <laughs> he keeps coming back. He doesn't get he doesn't understand how it works. Um so um okay, so if people want to find you, it's Rob Goki pretty much everywhere, right? Yeah, it's it's Rob Goki R O B G O K E E on Twitter and Instagram. Um Taco City Pod and Mitchum Pod um both on Twitter and Instagram and then robgoki.com. You can find everything on my website too. Yeah, cool. There's okay, links so, to everything there. And if you want to get a hold of us, of course, we're movieisms at gmail.com. I am Becca Meyer on Instagram and Twitter, and Brad, of course, is Balding Ewok at uh, all of those places as well. Um, Rob, thanks for coming on, man. It was good to talk to you. It's like that. That, by the way, if anyone's listening, that is what our conversations are like. <laughs> we did not, 
we did not <laughs> discuss what we were going to talk about, and we covered like twenty topics. We and did, we got, and, and very few of them were movies. Right, very few of them were movies. Anyway, good. We'll talk to you, yeah. and I'll t- I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, I'll talk thanks to you for later. having me. I'll, I'll, you're welcome. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll text you right after this. <laughs> Movieisms is a production of Super Mega Ultra Entertainment and is produced by Michael Beckemeyer and Bradley Kingston. If you'd like to find out more, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. And make sure you click like on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash movieisms. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment and give us a five-star review in iTunes. It only takes a minute, and it helps us out more than you can imagine. Thank you very much, and until next time, we'll see you at the movies. Movies.